Hey, this is Pastor Stephen from The Vine in Chapel Hill. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Our prayer is that regardless of where you are right now, the God of this universe would speak specifically to your heart through this message in Jesus' name. For more information about our church, mission, or to give online towards this ministry, go to thevinechurch.com. I'm the branch of the vine, everything I want to find, all my life, I abide in you. Give a warm welcome for Mr. Ralph Harris. Bring it up. <laughs> Thank you. Accurate, yes. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh-oh. In my sleep. <laughs> Might want to see a doctor about that. <laughs> um... I just want to thank you all for coming, and I'd like to open in prayer. Lord, I thank you for waking us up this morning, giving us breath in our lungs. I thank you for the opportunity to gather with your people, to be obedient to your word, to fellowship with other Christians, and to just cherish your word today, Lord. I thank you so much for your word, and I invite it into this room to change hearts and to change minds. Lord, we declare that we are not here to sculpt your word into what's convenient for us. We are here to let your word sculpt us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So turn to Ezekiel 33. And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus have you said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to your people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness. And the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteousness, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered, but in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. Yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has taken by robbery, and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the sins he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right, he shall surely live. Yet your people say the way of the Lord is not just, when it is their own way that is not just. And when the righteous turns from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. And when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is just and right, he shall live by this. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just, O house of Israel. I will judge each of you according to his ways. And that was, that was verse 10 through 20. I don't think I gave you that part. 
I want to ask y'all to bear with me this morning. I have a lot of scripture to read. So if I look at the clock and start speed reading, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's going to be our, our main text this morning, though. And I just want to repeat <coughs> some of that. It sounds like the scripture repeats itself a lot. And uh, there's a few parts I want to I want to go back over. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness. Again, though, I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. Yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has taken by robbery and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. And then further down, and when the wicked turns from his wickedness, and does what is just and right, he shall live by this. Are you noticing a theme? <clears throat> so I want, to refine, I want to define the word repentance. And what I have here is pretty simple. Sincere regret or remorse. Some synonyms for repentance are remorse, regret, contrition, contriteness, penitence, ruefulness, and probably my favorite for the purposes of this message, sorrowfulness. <clears throat> there is, sometimes there is a deep sorrowfulness required for repentance. Now, buckle up, because we're going to go through some gross scriptures that <laughs> people don't like to read a lot. In uh, Ezekiel 16, 30-37, how sick is your heart, declares the Lord God, because you did all these things, the deeds of a brazen prostitute, building your vaulted chamber at the head of every street and making your lofty palace in every square. Yet you were not like a prostitute because you scorned payment. Adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of her husband. Men give gifts to all prostitutes, but you gave your gifts to all your lovers, bribing them to come to you from every side with your whorings. So you were different from other women in your horns. No one solicited you to play the whore, and you gave payment while no payment was given to you. Therefore you were different. Therefore, O prostitute, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because your lust was poured out and your nakedness uncovered in your whorings, with your lovers and with, with all your abominable idols, and because of the blood of your children that you gave to them, therefore, behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure and all those you loved and all those you hated, I will gather them against you from every side, and I will uncover your nakedness to them, that they may see all your nakedness. Jeremiah thirteen twenty four through 27 I will scatter you like chaff that is blown away by the desert winds. This is your allotment, the portion I have assigned for you, says the Lord. For you have forgotten me, putting your trust in false gods. I myself will strip you and expose you to shame, I have seen your adultery and lust and your disgusting idol worship out in the fields and on the hills. What sorrow awaits you, Jerusalem? How long before you are pure? Ezekiel 23, 18-20 In the same way, I became disgusted with Oholiba, Jerusalem, and uh, Oholiba, which is Jerusalem in the story, it's a metaphor, and rejected her just as I had rejected her sister, Samaria, is who he's referring to, because she flaunted herself before them and gave herself to satisfy their lusts. Yet she turned to even greater prostitution, remembering her youth when she was a prostitute in Egypt. She lusted after lovers with genitals as large as donkeys 
and emissions like those of a horse. So who wants to count all the times I just said <coughs> prostitute or whore? <coughs> God was very clear. And several mentions of idols and false gods there. <clears throat> and I just want to take this time to publicly repent for being an idol worshiper. I have poured myself after so many idols. I have chased drugs and food and TV and video games and anything that would make me feel good, that would satisfy myself. And the point of all this is to make you feel sorrowful. You should read this and understand that you identify with it and you should understand that you have broken God's heart. But here is a secret that our society has forgotten. It's good to be sorrowful over wrongdoing. If you're not sorrowful, if your heart is not pricked, then you are in a very dangerous place if you do not feel sorrow for your wrongdoing. If you break your perfect creator, your perfect lover, your perfect husband's heart and, and feel nothing for it, that's very bad. So, in 2 Corinthians, in NIV, even if I caused, and you don't have to keep up with me, you can just write these down, because like I said, I have a lot to read today. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, and leaves no regret, and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what is godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. And that's 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 11 in the NIV. In the ESV, instead of sorrow, it, it uses the word grief. I like that word a lot too. But for the purpose of this message, I stuck with sorrow, sorrowful, sorrowfulness. So... At this point, you should feel like repentance is a pretty heavy word. Like, it should kind of hang over you like a cloud. That's on purpose. That's part of the process. But it's not the end of the process. There's another part of the word I'd like to explore. If you look at the Greek, the word metanoia is the word used for repentance, and it's spelled M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. -A, metanoia. The Greek term for repentance, metanoia, denotes a change of mind, a reorientation, a fundamental transformation of outlook, of, of man's vision of the world and of himself, a new way of loving others and God. So this side of repentance, this, this, which I, it seems to be the second part, of the, the latter part of the process, is about a change of mind. It's about viewing things in a new way. It's about accepting a deeper revelation of truth that is more correct and more loving. And it, it should inspire us to love God and to love others deeper. The theological concept of repentance is linked with metanoia, which is a prostration before God, both spiritually and physically. Prostration, prostrate, when you're lying prostrate, you're on your face with your hands out before the Lord in a worshipful posture. <clears throat> 
Jesus brings repentance. In Acts 5.31, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We're going to explore some examples here in a minute, but the point that I want to make is you have to receive from Jesus to repent. Or you have to have faith to receive from Jesus to repent. Posture is important. Posture is a show of faith. Remember that word prostrate. When we're lying prostrate, that that is us saying with our body sometimes before our spirit understands, or before our heart understands, our soul, our spirit always understands it, but that is us saying with our body, I agree that I am putting myself in the position to receive forgiveness from the Lord. I'm putting myself in the position to repent. So some of the examples of whenever people would lie prostrate before Jesus, one is in Luke 5, 4 through 8. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into the, put into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So whenever he had received this wonderful blessing from Jesus, he fell down to his knees and realized that he was a sinful man. In Luke 5, 12-13, While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. This leper approached Jesus on his face and begged him, because he had faith to receive from Jesus. And in Luke 17, 12 through 16, And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. See, there's the faith. They know that Jesus has the power to have mercy on them. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. So, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet because he had received from Jesus. And I just want to share a little bit of my personal testimony about how I've experienced this here recently. Let's be real. All cards on the table. I'm fat. Like, <laughs> uncomfortably fat. <laughs> Technically defined, I'm probably obese. I'm probably medically not safe with how fat I am. And I've been praying for roughly two years that God would make me healthy and attractive. <laughs> and he's done the attractive part, now I just need the healthy part. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that my body is a result of my actions. That I am living in the consequences of making the decisions I wanted to make. But still, I've been praying that God would, would heal me, that he would make me whole, that he would 
make me less whole than I am. <laughs> I've been praying that he would make me healthy and attractive. Recently, over the past few months, I started praying that he would deliver me from gluttony. So that was a shift. And a couple of weeks ago, in my prayer time, I was praying over this particular thing, and <coughs> sorrow just rained down on me. I felt grieved for the way I've behaved, and I, sh I shouted to God out of the abundance of my heart, forgive me for packing fat onto my body and for encouraging my loved ones to do the same. And I had a fresh realization of the truth that I was living in, like I never had before. And, and so it was almost like Jesus did the repentance in me. Like it was something I knew that I had done wrong and I wanted to change in my life, but it wasn't really changing. And, and I most certainly didn't feel grieved. Like I didn't, I didn't like it when I looked in the mirror, but grieved in spirit is not what I would say that I felt until that moment. But now that I have... Now I have felt that, I believe things are different. I believe that I actually am going to lose the weight that I want to lose now. And that's a bold statement because all you can check on me <laughs> and see what my progress is like in six months. But I believe things are different now. I believe because I had that true repentance moment that now I am freed from it and I'm going to start walking out healthy choices. I already am walking out healthy choices and I've lost a few pounds. And I'm excited to see what I look like in six months. But I can feel that I have been freed from the oppression I was under that I had agreed with. I can feel that I was freed from the, from the consequences of the decisions I, I made, and now I'm living in Jesus' grace and his healing in that area. That's good. <clears throat> so this is not a lopsided sermon. It might sound like it up to this point, but I promise it's not. Um, I want to spend some time talking about how his kindness leads us to repentance. In the NLT, Romans 2.4, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? I like how in the ESV it says, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And I'm going to take some examples of His kindness from some of the same gross, scary prophets in the Old Testament we don't like to read because they're too convicting, and, and we have this idea in our heads that can't be the same God. Spoiler, it is the same God that's in the New Testament. In Isaiah 62, 3-5, You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called, My delight is in her. And your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married, for as a young man marries a woman, so shall your sons marry you, and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Isaiah 54, 1-8 Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and the reproach of your widowhood will be remembered no more, for your maker is your husband. 
And the Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. So I want to talk about that one for just a minute, a couple of parts of it. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more, for your maker is your husband. Isn't that a direct contrast to the scriptures I was talking about earlier, where God said he would expose your shame to the world, he would leave you naked before the lovers you've chosen? One translation says, I will lift up your skirt and, and expose your nakedness. But here it says, fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth. For your maker is your husband. And I, 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 this part was highlighted to me too. For the Lord God has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit. There's, this is a process to get to these promises, to get to this wholeness, to get to, to this place of being cleansed and being purified. And, and being grieved in spirit is a part of that process. That's part of how we get there. In Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Ezekiel eleven nineteen through 20 And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove a heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. So part of us being able to obey these rules he gave us in the Old Testament is when he removes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. In the Jeremiah 31, 33-34, it says that line, I'll put my arm with, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. There's a task for you. Count how many times God says that in the prophets. I will be their God and they shall be my people. The point of all of this is that repentance is everyone must do it. We all must repent to receive salvation. We all must repent to receive healing and wholeness. And repentance is available to everyone. There is never a moment where you can't stop and turn to God and turn away from your sin, turn away from your idols. And it's not just something you can do yourself, though. It's a partnership. It is a co-labor with the Lord. He draws us to repentance through kindness. We prostrate ourselves to meet Him there. So those are happen happening simultaneously. 
the personality of Jesus illuminates our wickedness while simultaneously we have faith to receive his conviction. So, the scripture we started with, Ezekiel 33, later in that chapter, 30 through 33, there's, there's another part. And I just want to ask you, are you going to do your part of that? Are you going to prostrate yourself? Are you going to have faith to receive his conviction while he draws you to repentance, while he illuminates your wickedness? Are you going to do your part? Ezekiel 33, 30 through 33. As for you, son of man, your people who talk gather about you by the walls and at the doors of your house, say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people come and they sit before you as my people. And they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act, their heart is set on their own gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. When this comes, and come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. So, are you going to be like those people who would say, come, let's hear what the word of the Lord is, and ponder on it, and entertain yourselves with it? Or are you going to let it penetrate your heart? Are you going to prostrate yourself, and receive the Lord's conviction and correction? And allow yourself to be sorrowful. Allow the sorrowfulness that leads to repentance wash over you. We're going to play a song and I just invite each of you to be honest with yourselves and be honest with God. I would just like to invite you and encourage you to do your part to prostrate yourselves physically and spiritually and to have faith to receive from Jesus. He will illuminate in you what he wants to change and he is mighty to save. He is mighty to change it. Lord, I thank you so much for your eternal kindness. I thank you that 